Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church, and here we go, Revelation 17, the one world government, Revelation 17, 7 through 14. I recently saw an old video, We Are the World, remember the song, all the celebrities sang it, and we all had these warm fuzzies, and it was kind of nostalgic watching this, uh, but it really is, didn't give me warm funny fuzzies this time because I could see really what it's all really about. It's something about something much more than this this warm fuzzy nostalgic song. There has been a steady movement since World War One toward a global community. Remember League of Nations, which we were resistant to initially, League of Nations, World War Two it picked up steam even more. Now we have the UN and all that that encompasses. I remember a missionary who in World War II, was reading his biography, and he was a war scout. He, he functioned as a war scout over maybe Philippines, something like that. And he was troubled because this guy knew the Bible. War, this is World War II, and he said, I'm glad that we're winning the war, and I'm glad the countries are getting coming together, but I'm troubled because I see what's happening. They're forming this, this one world group that's moving toward the fulfillment of Revelation. He saw this World War II, and we, we see this happening. The whole idea of this global community and people working together, it sounds positive, but it's really an anti-God movement. It's an anti-God movement. It's a second Tower of Babel is really what it is. There will, it will be used by the Antichrist. This one world government will be used by the, by the Antichrist to control the world and also to be worshipped. That's his goal, to control the world and to be worshipped. That's what he's going to use it for. Think 1984, Big Brother on steroids. This is what it's going to be like, okay? Now, how do we know this? Because it's all predicted in the book of Revelation. As we've been studying Daniel and Revelation, it's all predicted there's going to be a movement that toward a one world government. And this is, a, once again, the positive, it's a sign that the coming of Jesus Christ is approaching. As we go to this one world government, one world religion, one world economy, it's horrible in one sense, but it's awesome in another. That means very, very close to the time of the, the hopefully the rapture and also the, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it's all being prepared for today. We can see it being prepared for today, this one world government, one world. We see it prepared. Borders are bad. Borders are bad. We need open borders, right? Uh, the walls are bad too. Even the Pope got on, on the horse said, walls are bad. And I was just waiting for him to take down the wall around the Vatican, you know? But hasn't come down. Hmm. Okay. Uh, hypocrisy. Uh, but it's all, all, we won't go there today. We're going to do that next time, the one world religion. Uh, nationalism must be erased. Nationalism is bad, you know, and, and anybody who's a nationalist, you know, is, believes in nationalism or a nationalist president or leader is bad, you know. This is all part of it. It's all setting up this one world government. It's all, it sounds good. And, and there's some positive with it, but we know where it's really, really heading. Revelation 17 starts out with the one world church, which is really religious Babylon. We're going to talk about that in the next sermon. Okay, hang on next time. 
probably do this tomorrow. Uh, verses 1 through 6, Revelation 17, 1 through 6, and then 15 to 18 talks about the one world church, okay? Uh, but then in verse 7, it shifts into the one world government, the political Babylon. The other one was religious Babylon. This is political Babylon, and that's what I want to focus on today. It's sandwiched in between the one world church, and we'll deal with that next time. We're going to just focus on the one world government today. And we see here in Revelation 17 that the prostitute sits on the beast sits on, exerts some control. The, the one world church exerts some control initially over the beast, the revived Roman Empire, the one world government, the Antichrist. But really, the Antichrist is just using the one world church. I'm going to use it. You know, we're going to see that he's going to turn on them next time. We're going to see he turns on them next time. And God will use the Antichrist and the beast to judge the apostate church, the one world church. And then he's going after God uses the Antichrist and the beast to judge the, the, the harlot, the, the woman who sits on the beast, the, the apostate church. Then God is going to judge the beast in Revelation 18, and then he's going to judge the Antichrist in Revelation 19. We are in for some a wild ride here the next few chapters, okay? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that we have your word. We thank you that we're not deceived with the world. We're not falling for the lies, even though they sound so so nice and, and loving in one sense, but we know what's really behind it. A lie, deception, and hate is behind it. Satan is behind this. Lord, just thank you for opening our eyes. And I pray that if anybody is listening to this has never put their faith in Jesus Christ, they don't have the Holy Spirit yet to see through these lies. I pray that they would today put their faith in Jesus. Before this sermon is over, I pray they put their faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, here we go. Let's read the passage first of all. Revelation 17, and we're going to read verses 7 through 14. 7 through 14. Then the angel said to me, Why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast she rides, which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast which you saw once was, now is not, and will come up out of the abyss and go to his destruction. The inhabitants of the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world, will be astonished when they see the beast, because he once was, now is not, and yet will come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven hills on whom on which the woman sits. They are seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. But when he does come, he must remain for a little while. The beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with a beast. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. They will make war against the lamb, but the lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. I hope you are following Jesus Christ when he comes again. I hope you have put your faith in Jesus and you'll be riding right behind him. I hope you're getting riding lessons right now. You're going to need them because we're going to be coming down with Jesus. All right? Uh, those who are already in heaven at this time, which I hope there's all of us right now, rapture, early rapture, mid-trib rapture, early, early, pre-trib, mid-trib, hopefully it's there. All right? Hopefully we're already in heaven. Uh, 66% chance. All right, here we go. Uh, 
So the woman rides the beast. We're going to look at the woman next time. It's the one world church, the apostate church, the, the false prophet who's leading that. Then it talks about here the beast with the seven heads and ten horns. Now this is where the book of Daniel, I hope you've listened to the book of Daniel when I preach through that, especially Daniel 7. But uh, I hope you you were you listened to that already because this is where it pays off. Because just by itself, this would be very hard to understand. But because we know the book of Daniel, we study that in detail, we know what this is talking about. Almost everything we can figure out. Not everything. There's some mystery here in Revelation. But most of this we can figure out. Okay? So the beast, seven heads, ten horns. Who is this talking about? Remember Daniel? The revived Roman Empire. The revived Roman Empire. We're already starting to see this well along its way with the European Union, which is the precursor for the revived Roman Empire. We've talked about this many times. Uh, it says it once was, now is not, and will come. That's because it's been revived, revived, the revived Roman Empire. The seven heads on seven hills, the reader would know exactly, immediately, who John is talking about as he writes the book of Revelation. That is Rome. There's no other thing it could be. This is the revived Roman Empire. But it also talks about seven kings, and there's a double meaning here with the seven kings. We're not sure... If it's seven emperors, five have already been, have already died. One is alive in John's time and one to come. Antichrist coming in the future. Likely that, but also it could possibly be seven kingdoms. Egypt, Syria, Babylon, the Medes, Persians, the Greeks, Rome, who is, and then to come, the revived Roman Empire. So that all could be, you connect Daniel with this, that all could be part of this too. But the key is all seven of these kingdoms, and all seven emperors were dominated and will be dominated by the Babylonian religion. We'll talk about that Babylonian religion next time, connecting the dots to the one world apostate church when we do that, okay? Now, don't miss that. The bat, now, the beast also has a double meaning. It's the revived Roman Empire, obviously, revived Rome. But also in verse 11, it talks about an individual, an eighth king. And this is talking about the Antichrist, the Antichrist who's going to head up the revived Roman Empire is the Antichrist, the, the world ruler in hostility to Jesus Christ, the beast. This is he will rule over ten horns and ten kings. Ten horns, ten kings. He's going to rule over them. The world is going to be uh, divvied up. It's going to be divvied up into uh, uh, ten regions. Okay, ten regions, and these ten kings are going to be complete obedience to the Antichrist. Think of think of Lord of the Rings and Sauron and his Nazgul's, the nine riders. Well, this time there's ten of them. And uh, the, 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 he's, he's going to split the world up into ten regions. Some models have already been established. In fact, if some of the models I looked up, the USA, Canada, and Mexico are not, will be considered one region in this new world order with the ten re the earth is already they've already got it figured out it's it's not a secret you can look it up uh but the USA Canada and Mexico will be one of those 10 regions, okay? Once again, listen to the Daniel 7 sermons and you'll be able to really figure out this out. It really lays it out very, very clearly. They will, these, the Antichrist 
will gather the, the kings and the armies and he's going to converge on Israel just before the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's going to converge on Israel. The battle of Armageddon, which we've talked about in Revelation 19, we're going to see this played out when Jesus Christ comes again. Uh, verse 14, when we saw 7:14, they will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings and with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. Uh, the the saints will be following. You better take your writing lessons. We will be following Jesus Christ down. We'll be the armies from heaven. Okay? This is all coming quickly. Now, I, I this I could have done all chapter 17 together, but it would have been long, so I split it up. So, But I'm just going to want to just stick to that for now. Next time, I'm going to look at the one world church. This is the one world government, which we talked about many times in Daniel and in Revelation. But this is all coming quickly, suddenly. Remember that word? Suddenly. It's accelerating. Look what's happening in Israel right now with the, with the rioting and the, the violence escalating and the, the temple. You see that there was a fire going up on the Temple Mount. I think a tree or something was burning. Uh, you saw the videos on the news. It's crazy. This is all setting things up for the Antichrist, the, the beast the Antichrist, who's going to step in and bring peace and uh, set up a seven-year peace treaty with Israel. Remember, we talked about this many times, Daniel Revelation. And, and he's going to allow them to rebuild the temple. That's going to be part of the deal. Rebuild the temple. And then, what is his real goal? Then he's going to set up his own image in the temple. He wants to be worshipped as God himself, as he wants to be Jesus. He's going to set up his image and then he's going to demand everybody to worship that image and everybody to take the mark of the beast, 666. We don't know exactly what that means. We've got to figure this out. The Bible says, whoever has wisdom, let him calculate the number of the beast. It is man's number, 666. Revelation 13, 18. And, it's, and so we, we have to keep our eyes open. Keep our eyes open. But everybody's going to have to take the mark of the beast if you want to buy or sell or, or function or, or Go to the supermarket or go to school or college or you're connecting some dots here. We Look how we're all being prepared for this very thing in this past year of the COVID pandemic, which was really a fear pandemic, obviously, but, but it could become something much, much worse. Watch for the mutations. <clears throat> we have been prepared for this very thing of world control by the one world government and the Antichrist. We're being prepared for that. You got to wear your mask. Even outside, now you gotta wear two masks, you know? And listen, we're all careful at the beginning and we gotta wear a mask and, and fine. But, uh, but, you know, it's just, you can just see how they, now, now it's two masks. Now we've all, now a lot of people have, have vaccinations, but you still have to wear the mask. You, you can see there's more to it. Not being careful, we all should be careful. We want anybody to die, blah, blah, blah. But, but, but there's more to it. It doesn't take a genius to figure this out. Just keep your eyes open. Then it was the shutdown. And now it's the vaccines, which were voluntary. Uh, but now they have to take the vaccine or you're, or you're going to be shunned. And, and, and Fauci all along the way has said, it's the science. It's the science. It's always the science. The same science that says we came from monkeys is telling us all about the COVID vaccine. And listen, science can be helpful, but uh, they aren't following science. California, complete lockdown, complete masking. Uh, Florida, state open, very little regulations. They have the same exact COVID situation. 
same exact infection rate. Uh, in fact, Florida is actually doing a little better than California. How is how did that happen? How did that happen? If you're really following the science, you would say, well, there's something more to this, right? Uh, maybe, you know, all that stuff wasn't about science. It was about something else. And, and now, now, now that it's nice weather and we should be outside encouraging the kids to be outside playing sports, being outside, all of us outside, you still have to wear the masks outside. I'm like, are you kidding me? And because the science, now this is how they play the game, CDC. Uh, uh, you're safer outside, but, uh, less than 10% of people have gotten the infection outside. Well, that's a lie. <laughs> well, it's true. It is less than 10%. It's less than 1%. It's 1% of 1%. That's right. One in a thousand people might get COVID outside. But so did they lie by saying less than 10%? No, they just spun it and twisted it and deceived and they were called out on that. How, why did you say less than 10% when it's really uh, uh, one in a thousand? How can you say that? Oh, well, we're just, we, we, we didn't lie because it is less than 10%. Yeah, a lot less than 10%. And, and why did you do it? We're just trying to protect people. We're, we, we, we just use deception to protect people. That's their excuse. It's been going on the whole time. There's more to it. They lie to us. All right. And that's why we don't trust them about everything else. It's, it's not about the science. It is about the control. Once again, I think if there's ways that we can protect each other, fine, but we've gone way overboard and it's not about the science, it's about the control. People who are at risk should have been the ones inside, not the rest of the population that, that listen, anybody could die at any time of COVID, of a car accident, of a lightning strike. Listen, I could get COVID and die tomorrow, but that doesn't change the fact that the vast majority of people are not at a high risk of COVID. We didn't all need to be shut down and, and masked up and shut down and, and living in fear and losing our jobs and businesses and livelihoods. We didn't have to do that. It, it, that that is that we should have just protected those who are vulnerable, older people, people who who have uh, secondary issues. You know, the ones who are truly dying of it. Uh, we we know what's causing most of it. Uh, pe being overweight is the number one reason people are dying of COVID. We those are people should be careful. And and well, anyway, we're not going to go any further with that one. But you know, we don't we don't go there. Uh, you know, but we sh we should get healthy. We're healthy when we can be healthy. That's what we should be doing. But the the bottom line is they're the ones who should have been careful, stayed inside. Stayed away from people. We shouldn't have thrown people with COVID in the nursing homes. Should we have all these 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 governors who are the strictest are the ones who shove people in the nursing homes and kill all the elderly people? Listen, it's it, this is un this is unbelievable. But this, it's not all about the science. This is what I'm really getting at. It's about the control. It's about controlling us. It's about setting things up for the Antichrist and the one world government. It's all a precursor. It's softening us up. It, it's, it's about the great reset on the economy. You hear this all the time now. It's openly talked about. You know, socialism. Capitalism is bad. We need to go to socialism. We need to have a great reset on the economy so that people can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast. All right, it's all being set up. And the vast majority of people, even many, many Christians, the vast majority are like zombies. Put on another mask. Now you got five masks on, right? Put on another one. Take the shot. Uh, well, is it safe? Is it moral? 
Didn't they use an aborted baby technology to develop this? Is it moral? Who cares? Take it. Take the mark. You know, it's all setting people up. It's shocking. If Dr. Fauci were to come along and say, you need to have your eyes gouged out because that's COVID is coming through your eyeballs. You need to take them out immediately. I think the majority of Americans would gouge out their eyes. Go along with it. That's how, like, zombies we have become because we are spiritually blind. We don't have spiritual eyesight. We're spiritually blind. But it's way more than COVID. It's softening. It's breaking up the United States. It's preparing us. It's preparing the world for complete control. 1984, Big Brother controlling everything. Religion, controlling the economy, controlling the government, controlling the people that we're going to be 1984 on steroids. That's what this is doing. And how do I know? Because it's in the book of Revelation. <laughs> it's not because I'm anti-vaxxing or anti-masking. No, no. I see how this is softening us up, preparing the way. It's all being set up for the book of Revelation and the control. And Christians, we have to keep our eye, we have to open our eyes and keep our eyes open. I'm warning, I'm warning you as Christians, this is not about COVID. This is, the whole thing is not about COVID. It's about the one world government and the Antichrist who's going to control, try to control every part of our life. I've, this is a warning. In fact, you, you think I'm crazy here? You think, oh, this could never happen. What would you have thought a year ago if I told you what the United States would look like a year later and how we would go along with every little thing the governor says, you know, whether it makes any sense or not? Well, you would have said, no, you think this is impossible? This couldn't happen? A speech by Walter Cronkite. Walter Cronkite. I'm warning you where this is going. 2009, he was called a reliable figure in an unreliable world. He was voted the most trusted man in America. And, uh, and I'm going to read you some parts of a speech he gave. October 19th, 1999, upon receiving the Norman Cousins Global Convergence. Get that? Global Convergence Award. He gave it before the UN delegates in a dining room. Uh, Hillary Clinton, remember, uh, Ahab, Jezebel, remember if you've been following my Elijah sermons, Elisha sermons, uh, Jezebel, Hillary Clinton was instrumental in connecting him with this group. And listen to his speech. And this, if this doesn't give you chills as a Christian, this is 1999. This is over 20 years ago. Those of us who are living today can influence the future of civilization. We can influence whether our planet will drift into chaos and violence. I think it already did that. Uh, Or whether through monumental educational and political effort, get that, education, we will achieve a world of peace under a system of law where individual violators of that law are brought to justice. Oh, wait till you see who he's talking about. Uh, it seems to many of us that if we are to avoid the eventual catastrophic world conflict, we must strengthen the United Nations as a first step toward a world government patterned after our own government with a legislature, executive and judiciary, and police to enforce its international international laws and keep the peace. This is Walter Cronkite holding hands with Hillary Clinton, giving the speech before the UN delegates uh, and having tea and crumpets. To do that, of course, we Americans will 
we Americans will have to yield up some of our sovereignty. Some of it, Walter? That would be a bitter pill. It would take a lot of courage, a lot of faith in the new order. Are you hearing this? This, this is not a sci-fi movie. This is real. All right? And we're living it today in 2021. But the American colonies did it once and brought forth one of the most nearly perfect unions the world has ever seen. There's his patriotism. All right? uh, time will not wait. Democracy, civilization itself is at stake. Never mind democracy. The Antichrist is not setting up a democracy. You talk about a, a totalitarian, you know, dictatorship. All right. Within the next few years, we must change the basic structure of our global community from the present anarchic. Oh, I can't read it. Okay. I have trouble seeing everything. Uh, system of war and ever more destructive weaponry to a new system governed by a dem democratic UN federation. Federation. Ooh, sounds good. Now, now here we go. Some of you may ask why the Senate is not ratifying these important treaties and why the Congress is not paying our UN dues. Yeah, that's really kept me up at night worrying about those UN dues, hasn't it you? All right. Uh, even as with the American rejection of the League of Nations, our failure to live up to our obligations to the United Nations, which is about half of the, the, the budget the United States is paying, right, uh, is led by a handful of willful senators who choose to pursue their narrow, selfish political objectives at the cost of our nation's conscience. <laughs> they pander to and are supported by the Christian coalition. Ding, 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 ding. Here we go. Why am I reading this? They pander to and are supported by the Christian coalition and the rest of the religious right wing. Their leader has written, Pat Robertson at the time, has written that we should have, that we should have a world government, but only when a Messiah arrives. That's Jesus. Any attempt to achieve world order before that time must be the work of the devil. Yep, that's what the Revelation tells us. This small but well-organized group, that's us Christians, has intimidated both the Republican Party and the Clinton administration. Thank you, Hillary. Hold my hand, Hillary. Uh, it has attacked each of our presidents since FDR for supporting the United Nations. Robertson explains that these presidents were in our and are the unwitting agencies of Lucifer. The only way we who believe in the vision of a democratic world federal government can effectively overcome this revolutionary movement, I'm sorry, reactionary movement, is to organize a strong educational counteroffensive, brainwash the children in the public schools, uh, educational counteroffensive, uh, Strong educational counteroffensive stretching from the most publicly visible people in all fields to the humblest individuals in every community. We have to brainwash everybody. Alright? Did you, do you follow that? Who are the bad guys? The Christians. We are in the way. We are in the way. The, the, we, we can, this, we, <laughs> there is only one obstacle to this dream of a one world loving, tolerant community, which we know is deadly and horrible and demonic and hateful and intolerant, 
vicious. We know that. We know the book of Revelation. We know what the Antichrist is really all about. We can see it now. We can see all the peace, peaceful, uh, uh, peaceful protests out there. We can see all the, 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 the loving, you know, I just saw someone had written in about, about someone they didn't agree with, and it was about basically Christian perspective. He said, these people need to go to the ovens. This is the, these are the loving liberals. They said, we need to go to the ovens. I couldn't believe the, the, what they blasted out. It was shocking. Uh, but this, there's only one obstacle to this world dream. That's us. That's true Christians. Not the apostate Christians. Not the fake ones. They're going to be, exposed here in, in the time of Revelation. But it's the real Christians. We can never be good global citizens who follow the Antichrist, who follow the spirit of the Antichrist, because we follow Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And I hope we are raptured soon. <laughs> I hope it is an early rapture. I vote for that, believe me. I hope we're raptured soon. But in the meantime, we are not the world. We can't sing the song, We Are the World. We are not the world. We are not the world. We don't fit in. We have never fit in. Jesus himself said this in, in John fifteen eighteen, where he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. The world hates us because it hates Jesus. That's why. Not because not we're not going along with something. It hates us because it hates Jesus Christ. That is the goal of the one world movement. That is the goal of the one world government and religion and, and economy. Hates Jesus Christ. It's setting up for the Antichrist who's going to be their worst nightmare once they get they see it. We We can't fit in. We don't fit in. We shouldn't fit in. It's impossible. We're supposed to be different. Romans 12, 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We can't be conformers. We're supposed to be transformers. Our job is to convict the world. Our job is to transform the world. Our job is to draw people to Jesus Christ by our transformed lives, by that our lives that have been transformed by the Word and the Holy Spirit. We cannot be part of the world. We can't follow the world. We can't make the world's goals our goals. In fact, John, who wrote the book of Revelation, also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And in 1st John chapter 2, verse 15, listen to what he says. Do not love the world. Not talking about the people in the world. Talking about the world system that's, that's controlled by the spirit of the, this, the air. The, 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 the spirit who controls this present world system. Talking about Satan. And all he pushes with sin and the flesh and the lies and Antichrist purpose that he has. That, talking about that part of the world. The world that, the world that is, this world system and all that it goes along that is Antichrist that rejects Jesus Christ. That, that rejects God's word, that, that has been battling against Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Got that? If you love the world, you don't love God. It's impossible. You either love the Father or you love the world. But if you love the world, you do not love the Father. It's impossible. Verse 16, for everything in the world 
The cravings, this is what he's talking about with the world, the cravings of the sinful man, man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does. Got that? The cravings of the sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting about what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Powerful passage there. He says, don't focus on the world. Don't follow the world. Don't follow the cravings of the sinful man. The word literally means sensual appetite in the Greek. The sensual appetite. Think about the sensual appetite everybody in America is following. There's lots of them, aren't there? Also, it says the lust of the eyes. The the word in Greek literally is the lustful eye. (laughs) The lustful eye. I've got eye trouble, you know, and, and, you know, I'm doing a lot better. Doing a lot, lot, lot better. Thank you, God. I'm already thinking about the other eye, getting the other eye done now, finally. But, but everybody in the world has an eye problem. It's called the lustful eye. Want somebody, want something, the lustful eye. And then the boasting of what he has and does. The King James Version I like says the pride of life. The pride of life. The, the, the ostentatious showing off. Look what I've got. Look what I've done. That pride of life. And he says here in 1 John 5, 17, it says it will pass away. Only what we do for God will remain forever. That's the only thing that lasts. You may, I know Christians are so focused on their stocks and their houses and their wealth. Listen, gone. They're going to be gone. Either you're going to die or you're going to lose them while you're here. They're going to be gone. It says here they will pass away. I have seen people lose touch with God, uh, trade their spiritual purpose for garbage, for temporary world's garbage. I've seen it so many times. They, they, they follow their cravings. They follow their lust so they could have someone or have something. And, and what, what, what they followed what they followed ended up disappearing. I've seen it over and over again. Gone. It was gone and so are they spiritually. Gone spiritually. I remember a guy in our church years ago. He was really on fire for Christ. He and his family and it was awesome. But then I'll never forget, he just started slipping away. He got a beach house and he stopped coming to church on Sunday. He went to the beach on Sunday. And he got a motorcycle and, and he, he started, stopped coming to church. He'd ride the motorcycle around on Sundays. And, and he fell away fell away spiritually. He is gone and he lost his family too. They, he, he divorced and the family blew apart, but they're not following the Lord either. They're all gone and they were on fire. It was just a beautiful, beautiful spiritual family. I've, I've seen others uh, over the 35 years of ministry, I've seen so many others who, who decided to follow the lustful, lust of the flesh and lust of the eye in the world. You know, I've seen people say, I'm just gonna marry a non-Christian. I fell in love with this person. I'd be like, don't, don't be unequally yoked. What fellowship can light have with darkness? Or, or righteousness with wickedness? Second Corinthians 6.14. You can't do it. I don't care, gonna do it. And then the misery that they've lived in. And the, the horrible, horrible misery and divorces. Boy, if I could read you some of the emails they've sent me, I should have listened to you, Pastor Chuck. Why didn't I listen to you? Why didn't I listen to God's Word? And I feel like Willy Wonka, you know, with a chocolate fairy. Wait, no, stop, don't. As the kids are keep getting swallowed up by chocolate and all that in that movie. I feel like Willy Wonka. Wait, stop, don't. You know, it, but, but so many don't listen. And then they have to, it, at best, 
They go through God's discipline. They have to endure God's discipline. They have to go through it. Uh, but the wor- worst is when they just quit on God. They get bitter. They get angry at God. They didn't do what He said to do. They did what He said don't do. Then they're mad at God because things weren't, you know, uh, a rose garden because they didn't get into the Disneyland, you know, Wonderland, right? Uh, it, it, I've seen others follow the, 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 the the pride of life. I see other parents who on they they started playing sports on Sunday. Nothing wrong with playing a game Sunday afternoon if you don't miss church. But the, I'm talking about parents. I'll never forget. So many have come to me and said, Pastor Jack, uh, I have games, football games Sunday morning, so you won't see me this fall. Guess when I saw them? Never, never. Guess when I saw their kids again? Never. They're all gone. You know, they 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 disappear to go play their football or some sport Sunday morning or at Sunday night during youth group time. And, and then they wonder why the kids aren't following the Lord. They wonder why they're getting getting divorced. These husband and wife get divorced. They quit coming to church. They had no spiritual support. They're getting divorced. Their family blows apart. Their kids are anti-God. Don't want anything to do with God. Well, what? And, and, but it was worth it because they went pro in football, right? Not. They didn't even play in high school, most of them. You know, it was crazy. Crazy. What are we thinking? I know when I was a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and teens would come to me and I can't come to youth group anymore. I got a, I got a job. I got to work my job because I got to pay for my car that I just bought because my girlfriend wants, you know, so I can take my girlfriend somewhere and take her out, take her out to dates. And so I need the job. Can't come to the youth group anymore because I got a job. So I get for my car and my girlfriend. And, and I remember I said to him, that girlfriend's going to break up with you. That car's going to end up in the junkyard. And so will you spiritually break up with a girl, forget the car, forget the job, get to church, stay connected to God. Some listened, but most didn't. And now they are exactly the girls long gone. The car is in the junkyard and they are spiritually in the junkyard. And worse, some of them. Some of them. Don't give your life to idols. Don't follow the world's idols. Look at what really fulfills us. What really fulfills. When have you been most alive in your life? When you're following idols, filling your time and heart with idols, or when you're following Jesus Christ, committing your time and your ministry and your life and fulfilling your purpose for Jesus Christ. When, when you're connected to God and, and focused on eternal things, when were you truly fulfilled? It's then. It's then. And, and if you're not a Christian yet, you can't be fulfilled by following the world. Those things cannot fill the God hole in your heart. We are all created with a God hole in our heart that only God could fill. And you could try to fill it with all kinds of things. Things and people and even good things, family, whatever. Even good things. But there, it's not the thing. There's one thing that can fill the God hole and it's only Jesus Christ. And until you until you put your faith in Jesus, your life will be empty. You will always be empty. And you're going to hit the end of your life just like Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. Everything is meaningless. Meaningless because he turned his back on God and that's where he ended up. That's where he ended up. Meaningless. Listen, Ted Turner, I remember watching Ted Turner on an interview years and years ago. Oh boy, a long time ago. Remember Ted Turner? Some of you might remember uh, Turner Broadcasting Network, all that. All the, He was really well known. Captain Courageous, yacht sailing, you know, racing. and He was just really, really well known. I think he even owned a baseball team. Married the 
Jane Fonda, just, he had it all, did it all, and uh, and he was famous, and I'll never forget, he was on a, a special, and he's being interviewed, and I can't remember who was interviewing him, it might have been Barbara Walters, something like that, but anyway, she's interviewing him, and he said, what's, what's it like to have everything, you just have everything, you've done everything, everything's so wonderful, and Ted Turner, when he was a boy, was raised by Christian parents, but his his sister died of, of, I think it was cancer, died. And he said, well, if God let my sister die, then I don't want anything to do with God. And he got bitter and he turned away from God. And his parents pleaded with him, don't you want to be in heaven with your sister someday? Don't want to hear it. As far as I know, he, he's never, never, he never turned back to Jesus Christ. But, um, but this is a man who tried to fill that hole, that God hole that he emptied, that he rejected Jesus. He tried to fill it other ways. And I'll never forget what he said when they said, what's it like to have everything, do everything? And he said, it's like there's a paper bag in front of me. And I, I fight my way to get to that paper bag and I open it up and it's empty. So I throw that away and there's another paper bag. So I fight my way to that paper bag and I have to have it. And I finally get that paper bag and I open it up and it's empty. That's what my life is like. Empty. Has everything the world could offer. And he was completely empty because he tried to fill that God hole with the world instead of filling it with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us as we finish up this part in prayer? Maybe you are a Christian yet you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You have an emptiness in your soul, a hole in your soul that only Jesus can fill, but he's waiting to fill it. He wants to fill it. He came and died on the cross for us, for our sin. He rose again from the dead so that he could give us a brand new life, so that we could be forgiven and have a relationship with God and have a brand new life now that goes throughout all of eternity, a real life, a fulfilling life. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, he says. That's why he came. And there's one way you can have it. For God, John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's one way to have life. Real life now, eternal life, and that is believing in Jesus. Putting The word believe doesn't mean intellectual. It means to put your heart's faith in Jesus Christ. You have to take that step of faith. Put your faith in Jesus. You can do that now. The prayer of faith in God's word. God, I repent. I repent of my sin. Please forgive my sin. Everything in my life that I followed the world instead of your word, please forgive me because I repent and I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus who died for me who rose from the dead for me. He was delivered to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. Romans 4.25 Father, I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to Him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you don't have an empty hole anymore. Your heart is full. The Holy Spirit is living in your heart. You have Jesus Christ now. 
You can go to God as your Father anytime through Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you can come to the Father and, and, and have a relationship with God as your Heavenly Father. And it starts this very second and goes out through all of eternity. You have real life now and you will have eternal life someday with God in heaven. And if you've prayed that prayer, put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to tell somebody today. Maybe you have a family member or a friend who's a Christian. Tell them so they can be excited for you and help you grow spiritually. Maybe you know about somebody at work. Maybe maybe if you've got to email me, email me. nhcc at comcast.net. I'll connect you with someone to help you grow spiritually. I'll be excited for you. Help you grow spiritually. I'll get you a Bible and help you grow. Tell somebody because you have a brand new life and now you need to grow. You've been born again. Now you need to grow spiritually. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit convicting us up through this whole one world government and deception and, and following the world, or conforming or transforming? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? How is the Holy Spirit? Are we on our guard? Are we on our guard against the world? Against the world's deceptions? Have, have we started to conform? Or do we, is there some area of our life that we need to transform? We can start... It's very important that we start opening our eyes now, seeing the truth now, because the big deception is coming. What's happening now is just softening us up. The real deception is coming with the Antichrist and, and, and the beast and the mark of the beast and all that we see happening in Daniel and Revelation. It's coming, Matthew 24, Mark 13. It's all coming. We see it hurtling toward us. It's going to be here suddenly. Are you ready for that? great deception. The only way is to begin to fight that now. The attacks now. Know the word now. Commit to that. To, 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 to transforming and not conforming now. Father, I pray that every person who hears this, would, their eyes would be open. That the Holy Spirit would warn them and show them that they would have discernment. That they wouldn't fall for the world's lies now and the big lie coming soon. That we would be found in Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes, will he find faith on the earth? I pray that we would be found with true faith, living for you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, tomorrow's going to be really wild. Put on your seatbelts. Brace yourselves. The one world church is tomorrow and i'm going to probably offend everybody just get ready because we got to be on our guard we have to be on our guard and it's the tentacles are creeping in to every church every church every denomination every spiritual movement satan is trying to neutralize us very important next time okay i'll probably do it tomorrow morning so be watching god bless